Thanks for connecting with us again for the 2023 National Truck Driving Championships podcast series from Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Beginning on August 16th, Podwheels and Radio Nemo of North America will be on site in Columbus, Ohio at the National Truck Driving and National Step Van Competitions, which are hosted each year by the American Trucking Associations. As we get set to bring you the stories and take you behind the scenes with podcasts detailing the 2023 championships, we wanted to take some time to set the stage for the event. Jimmy Mack and the Radio Nemo team have collected some interviews detailing what's ahead at NTDC 2023 and what this championship series means for the industry. Jimmy is the co-host of Dave Nemo Weekends, which is broadcast each Saturday and Sunday morning from 7 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. For this episode of our NTDC podcast series, Jimmy catches up with the 2022 Grand Champion, Roland Bolduck, as he prepares to return to NTDC 2023 to seek his third career Grand Championship. As you'll hear, Roland has a deep commitment to safety and to excellence as a professional driver. Roland Bolduck, of course, is the defending Grand Champion. I want to point out, though, that he is a two-time defending champion. He won in 2017. It's good to have you, man. How you been? What's going on? And what's the good word? Always busy, always studying, always practicing. That's the way these things fall into place this time of year. And that really is kind of the deal, always practicing. I think about this all the time in my own job, the idea that I'll often slow down the way I'm talking to people in everyday life and will often be clearer than I used to be because I remind myself I don't want to fall into those traps. Roland, for the sake of those who don't know you, would you kind of take us through the early part of your career? I want people to get a chance to know who you are and not just as a two-time defending champion. That's cool enough. You've been in the industry a long time. I mean, every superhero has an origin story, so take us through it. I don't know about superhero, but I'll tell you my story. <laughs> I was born and raised in the trucking industry. My dad owned a truck, and he passed away in 2005. The family still owns a trucking company, Case Trucking in East Hartford. They also have a crane company. And I worked for them right out of high school for about six years. And, you know, I want something bigger. Tired of the mom and pop thing. I just wanted to try something bigger. So I went over to Monarch Food Service. I got my license in 1984. In about 86, I went over to Monarch Food Service. And I delivered Harlem, the Bronx, Lower Manhattan, the World Trade Center. I did all that New York stuff. And I tell you, that's what's going to hone your skills. Then when I left Monarch Foods, I said, I'm really tired of this time-sensitive work. I've got to find something with a little less time-sensitive. And then I started working for FedEx. I've um, <laughs> been there for almost 30 years now. Let me ask you this kind of situation about the New York story, kind of get down to it, because we have a regular contributor on here, comes on for Education Station, says that what you're really getting paid for is not driving, you're getting paid to back up. And his point being that it's the tight squeezes and the small spaces and the blind spots is really where the truth of the driver meets the road. Can you talk about, in those early days in New York, do you ever kind of reference them as you're kind of going back through things and saying, God, if I'd known them what I know now, not that you didn't handle it well, but are you able to kind of call upon that in your past and be like, this is just like that, this reminds me of this? It kind of does fall into that because he's so true. You don't get paid to drive in New York. Anybody can drive through New York. It's backing in New York. That's the difficult part. Since New York, since all those maneuvers that I was doing in New York, I always feel now, no matter where I drive in, I can back out. And it's from those days where I get that confidence that I can back out of anywhere that I've given into by the way, just one more kind of quick thing about New York. It certainly teaches you a very different way of speaking, doesn't it? 
I mean, there's a very different way of communicating <laughs> your emotions and your desires when you're trying to kind of maneuver a truck through the city of New York, through any of those boroughs. I'm thinking the Bronx in particular. When were you driving in New York, by the way? From 86 to about 91. Then a couple of years, I did upstate New York, did a few miles driving from Monarch Foods up that way, Vermont and into New York. Those years through New York, yeah, that was fun. Man, you were doing New York in Dave Dinkins, New York. I mean, that's long time ago, Galaxy Far Far away. That's pre-Giuliani New York right there. That's some rough-and-tumble situations. Let me ask you this. When is your first exposure to the NTDC? When did you become aware of it? What was your first experience like? How quickly did the event hook you? Well, when I started working at Monarch Foods, the transportation manager came up, said, anybody want to drive in the competition? I knew nothing about it. And I said, sure, I'd love to do it. I looked at the cost. It was $95 to join. And that was back in the 80s. Well, I was a single income in the home of two children, a wife, two dogs, two cars. And I said, you know, I can't afford that. Who's going to pay for it? He said, you are. I said, okay, I'll sit this out. So I waited, and then I got to FedEx. And a couple years in the FedEx, a manager came up and said, would you like to drive in this? I said, I'd love to. Who's going to pay the way? He said, of course we will. I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. So in 1996, I competed in the five-axle class. Being a smaller state, we only had 10 people in that class that year. I came in ninth. I didn't finish last. From there, I saw what was needed to practice. I feel I'm kind of competitive. So the following year, I practiced. I got all set and went in there and won it in 97. That's why I'm really hoping when people who are listening to this, we had a lot of first-time listeners here, a lot of people who have finally gotten the wherewithal to kind of put Sirius XM in their truck or are working for a carrier that actually gives them a few amenities and are able to kind of do this. And a lot of them are just learning about this for the first time. It's important for people to realize that sometimes when your first experience is not in the top two, not as a champion, when you get your first look at it, it takes one time, two times, three times for it to take for you to really get a good sense of how to go about doing it. And the other thing is, too, is that you need to learn how to communicate with your fellow drivers when you're there, because it does sound like a lot of camaraderie is happening and a lot of best practices are being exchanged, right? Oh, it's fantastic between all the drivers. When I won representing Connecticut, I was invited to go to Sweet Life, now it's gone, that company, and they set up a practice for everybody who won their different classes. There were eight classes at the time, so eight champions showed up, and there was a whole support staff that set up problems and really helped you along the way. And somebody told me, you see the guys with the white hair? Ask them. Pay attention to what they're saying. And I took that from then on and listened to every word I could. I still listen to rookies every year. If they want to show me something or tell me something different, I am open to learn. That's what I feel has helped me along the way. The older guys, the younger guys. That's a really important thing that Roland points out here. But it's important to remember that the atmosphere at this thing is not one of out to get you. It's out to be the best among the best. Roland Bolduck, a friend of the show, joins us this morning. It's great to have you back here and great to be able to see you next week as you go on to defend your title, two-time winner. Roland, what does it take to win? I guess is one of the most basic core questions anybody can ask you. But what does it take to really put together a championship season? First of all, you got to drive safely throughout the entire year. You cannot have an accident or an incident on your record. 
So you've got to have a clean record. And you've got to really pay attention to safety because if you get injured on the job and you go out more than 29 days, you're also disqualified from the competition. So safety being number one. Number two, we do practice quite a bit. What you said, the rodeo research and development facility. The friends that I've gained over the years also help with practice. That's what we really try to do is practice and get that laser focus going for next week's date. I still got a little practice tomorrow morning that we plan on doing, and that should be about it until the Nationals. Still going to tweak it a little bit more tomorrow morning. And then there's a book you got to read. As soon as that book comes out, I compare it to the old book from last year to see what's new, and then that one is just study, study, study. The other thing is, too, is that I realized, walk with me to left field for a second here, Roland. I promise you I'll get you out of it. We'll get to home plate eventually. The San Francisco 49ers, when they draft football players, will not let them sign a contract until, of course, they take their financial responsibility management class. They won't let them do it because what they don't want people doing is coming back four years later wanting to renegotiate a contract that they've run out of money on. A lot of pro football players, athletes, will often have camps where they invite their fellow quarterbacks to come in and show them the best possible tips. Talk about the idea of being injury-free, not just accident-free, but injury-free. There really is, if you're going to decide to make this jump, a commitment to taking the same sort of approach that a professional athlete has to do. I mean, in the sense that you make sure that you have no outside stresses, handle your finances well, handle your physical body well, and if those two things are in place, then, in fact, you can then focus on your driving skills. Correct? Well, what the 49ers are doing are making sure all their players get all their ducks in a row. You can't have them all over the place and then sign the contract and then try to straighten it out. We're kind of doing the same thing. The companies want us to keep our ducks in a row, stay safe, Injury-free, accident-free, that is the most important part of this. When I first started doing this, I kept hearing from fellow drivers, ah, the managers are getting bonuses. I said, no, what they're gaining from this is safety. And that is the greatest outcome of everyone taking their safety personally. If you can make every driver out there take their safety this personal, then our accident rates would drop even more than what they have. And that's what this whole program is about. I'm a history buff of the NTDC, and that's why we have the longest-running safety program in the history of the United States. And by the way, one of the other things, too, that is so fascinating to me about the industry, and we're trying to push education and training in this way over here at this show, and many people in the industry are trying to do it as well, safety is no longer proprietary. And so much of what you guys do is not proprietary either. I mean, for instance, you've come on here and you've given people some pretty darn good advice if they want to become competitors, how they can go about doing it. What is it? You don't want to have the best safety record amongst a bunch of bad fleets and carriers. You want to have the best safety record among the best fleets and carriers. People actually are doing their job. So this is one more kind of piece in the puzzle that allows people to kind of share safety tips. And can you talk about that when you go there? You know, the, idea of the young people you talk to, the older people you talk to, it's almost kind of a mandate. If you're going to go there, you don't fly solo. You're actually talking with everybody and you're sharing the best practices in regards to safety approaches, right? 
Most certainly. A lot of drivers get together and they talk about the horror stories. In these competitions, when the drivers get together, they say, man, you should see the place I had to back into. And I was two inches away. And I definitely got a 50 score on that. Well, 50 is a perfect score on our course. (laughs) 50 per problem. So it's kind of the lingo that we use while in competition. It's so much camaraderie. I call this the NQDC family reunion because that's truly what it has turned into. Dave Nemo was listening, by the way, and he says hello and a big congratulations to you. He also wanted me to remind people that you are a 2018 Citizen Driver honoree. What was that like, by the way? Did you enjoy that whole process? Oh, that was just wonderful. And seeing Dave up on stage playing percussion for Lindsay Lawler, the I-80 truck stop at their museum, priceless. I love you, Dave. I'm glad you're listening. Can't wait to talk to you some other day. Yeah, that entire process is wonderful. PA does such a great job promoting drivers that are doing things within their communities. And you're also a 2000 America Road Team captain. So much of this has been built on the back of getting started early and being in a culture of driving. This is a bigger question and one that doesn't so much apply to NTDC, but just in general. With so many new people coming in, and Roland, Dave and I have talked about this, that so many people come in either by having family that's doing it, they come from a farm, they come from a military background. All of that stuff is kind of fading out. A lot of people are coming into this with very little experience, meaning the first time they get behind the wheel is freshly minted as a CDL holder a lot of the time. How do we onboard those people? I mean, events like this really, really help, but how do we get this next generation up to speed driving and driving safely and also understanding that there is a destination that sometimes leads to 29 and a half years with FedEx, 39 years of safe driving, road team captain, citizen driver. How do we lay out that map for the next generation of people coming in? And if you don't feel like you have an answer, that's fine. But I thought I would ask you of all people. Well, when it comes to driving a tractor trailer, you really have to be dedicated. The drivers that seek it out, that want to be CDL drivers, know what they're getting into once they go through the early learner driver training program that just came into play uh, February of last year. That program itself is more training for the drivers, uh, more detailed training for different aspects of what we do on a daily basis. So with the new training that they have, I do a lot of training here at FedEx. Matter of fact, I've got to train someone later on today that I've been working with. It's not just about the money. Because if someone comes into this field looking at the money, because truck drivers make pretty good money. If they're looking at just coming into the field to make money, they usually don't do too good as far as in the training. When they come in, expect the money, but also expect the lifestyle of being on road and having the patience to deal with what's going on on the road today with texting and everything else, the bad things on the road. When they put that in their psyche of how they're going to be driving on road, it helps considerably. And you can kind of weed out the drivers who should be driving and those who should not be. And this ELDT training has a lot to do with that. It's funny, too, because I've always said that in order to be a successful driver, you have to make a friend of boredom. And once you make a friend of boredom, you find out that he's just simply patience. He's been hiding all along. 
Patience really is kind of the key also to doing well at the NTDC. Having seen these things up close now, I realize that you can't be anxious. You can't be chomping at the bit. Once you get behind the wheel of that thing, you have to go almost to a Zen place, right? It really is an exercise, not so much in what I call nail-biting, but it's an exercise in just being patient, correct? Patient and concentration. The hardest part at the NTDC for a lot of drivers is blocking out those grandstands of your loved ones and all the other people that are up in the stands watching. To block that out, to concentrate solely on the size of your vehicle, where each and every tire is at all times, that's the hardest part at the Nationals. If you can do that, you're going to score pretty good. That's basically what we do at the Rodeo Research and Development Facility. (laughs) We practice these tight places. I want to actually touch on this in the last few minutes we have here with Rowan Bolduck, but I do want to invite you back on and talk about how you create something like the Research and Development Facility. Tell us a little bit about it. I'm not going to say it's a joke, but it was a facility that we were using. I practiced with a best friend of mine, Rich Sweeney from XPL Logistics, and he said, come on over, we'll practice together. That was back in about 2002, and we've been practicing ever since. And next door to the XPO, Conway at the time, was a old transportation facility. We got to use that entire transportation facility. I think that thing had 100 doors. It was huge, big, beautiful, <laughs> wide-open doors. So we had a place to store all of our stuff to put it inside for the winter, pull it out, and set up problems in the spring. Once the snow melts, we would set up problems, very difficult courses, very hard to do, with a lot of problems on them that we might see at a state competition or a nationals or a charity event, and we could leave it up. And that was key. We didn't have to spend time setting it up every time. So one day I just got on Facebook and said that I arrived. I put a checkpoint in at the Rodeo Research and Development Facility. And it's really turned into something where we are trying to practice things that no one else is practicing and different ways to look at different problems. And it's truly helped. We had other people, Karen Tierney. We've got a rookie this year, Evie Vincenzo, and she's fantastic. She's testing us with the book and just a great group of people. Brian Singles came through there. He's now a national champion. Doesn't drive anymore, but went and grabbed a national championship as well. Just a great group of people. Roland, promise me we'll get a chance to visit when I get over to Columbus next week. I know you're going to be busy, but just to say hello would be terrific. Thank you, man. Thank you. That's Jimmy Mack with Roland Bullduck, the defending NTDC Grand Champion, as we close out this episode of the National Truck Driving Championships podcast series from Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Radio Nemo will be live on-site broadcasting from NTDC 2023, which begins August 16th. Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, will also be in Columbus, Ohio for NTDC 2023, sharing interviews, special features, and looks from behind the scenes. To access our podcast coverage from NTDC 2023, visit podwheels.com. You can also listen to our 2023 edition of this series wherever you get your podcast by searching National Truck Driving Championships. 